Welcome in. It is episode number 108 of Jobbing Out. Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, and of course... The main event. Vent. 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 Yeah. Yeah, what you got for 108 over there, big boy? 108? Yeah. TM 108. That's a mistake oh, by Okay. All right, damn it. I was really hoping you wouldn't have anything. He is, of course, A.J. Francis of the Washington Redskins. And um, Aaron and I are back from Orlando. Uh, we're not in the same room, unfortunately. So all three of us are in different locations. You're, you're in the same state. but you Yes, just, we are in the same state. Yeah. And Aaron's just lazy. <laughs> Aaron. Aaron had to go cover a baseball game today that might legitimately not be happening. So <laughs> Aaron is stuck in D.C. because he's got to do the Nationals game. And I just heard a clap of thunder outside of my window that, like, terrified the shit out of me. I don't think they're playing this game. They're certainly not playing it at 12. I take it. It's still 1 o'clock. I guess things can yeah, change a lot. You know what can happen with baseball. Baseball's stupid like that. All right. So, uh, unfortunately, both Aaron and AJ are on Skype. Aaron just froze up on us. Which is yeah, for it did froze, freeze up on us, and then I like all I could see was your ear, which was really uncomfortable to look at, and yeah, I don't. Ev- it sounded it sounded like you became broken, Matt Hardy for a second. <laughs> he's so, he's I told- would love to become broken, Matt Hardy. That would not be a bad thing. Yeah, well, I mean, except for the fact that you're sort of going in and out right now, like you're doing a little bit. But, 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 but it's not so good. It's not so great. Oh, no, that, that that's not ideal. Yeah, that would be a dagger. All right, coming up a little bit later on in the show, Justin Roberts is going to join us, and I could not I, like if you think that Aaron had an erection when we had Pete Gas on, like I am, I just filled the cup, like it, I am losing my mind. Uh, as you all know, I was obsessed with Justin Roberts just reading the signs. At WWE shows, like literally, that's that's all I needed. I was so I, in. I like John Cena. Right? Like he would just read it. Like he would just read whatever was on the sign. He'd be like, "Celtic Warrior." You can't see me. <laughs> and it was amazing. The best would be like Roman Reigns. <laughs> the Viper. Like, and it was. I don't know why, man. It was my. See, li- Lillian will, you know, she'll see a sign that's like, oh, look, there's one for John Cena. Right, and I'm <laughs> like, screw you, Lillian. That's not how Justin would do it. <laughs> um, so we'll talk to Justin Robbins. He's got a new book out. It's called uh, Best Seat in the House. We'll talk to him about it coming up a little bit later on in the program. Well, boys, it was um, it was a great weekend. If you missed it, we had two shows while we were down in Orlando. We did a preview show last Friday, and then we did our emergency WrestleMania where we, re- did, where, where we did our picks, and I went 15-3, mm. and three, mm. and Glenn did not, which is why on the post-show yeah. after Mania, he had to run into the pond like an idiot, yeah. and the whole video yeah. is on our Jobbing Out Twitter. Um, I sh- After we seeing that video... That we were hearing gators during that, did we? Dude. We never explained that part. So we, we, we did the video after we recorded the show, so you're right. As I was about to jump into the pond, all of a sudden we started hearing these noises. And I was like, what the fuck is and, that? And, and I knew that there was like a three-foot gator in, in that pond. But it's a little gator, you know what I'm saying? I knew about that gator. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But a three-foot gator, I would go in the pond. I'm not really scared of a three-foot gator. Because worst case scenario, even if it did bite me, I will just rip it off of me. Because I will fucking break its neck. It's little. <laughs> How, however, when we went out there, we heard at least two, maybe three gators communicating with their little poppy noise sounds they make out of their nose. Yeah. Yeah, and I said, what the fuck am I doing? What the <laughs> fuck? This is not worth it. Like, I don't care how good it is for the show. It's not worth it me doing this. But 
as a man, uh, unlike Aaron, who still refuses to dress up like Alexa Bliss. Because he's a fucking coward. He's a fraud. Yeah, correct. That's the way it is. Um, I actually lived up to my obligation, and I went ahead, and I went right into that thing, chest deep, and then I raced out like a bitch. Like a total <laughs> bitch. I said, like, I can't move fast. I moved as fast as I've ever moved in my life, getting out of that pond at that point. Uh, Aaron, Aaron, what's the next uh, wrestling show, WWE, you're going to go to? Uh, I'm not sure, but I will. Like I said, I had should, to make up should, in the bag. I had have to make up in the bag, and Bliss it was just that show. we were up till four o'clock at Rock Band. By the time I woke up, I could like, we're gonna I, we're gonna do the uh, the pay per view the week before your wedding, right? That's the plan right now. Yeah, Extreme Rules. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm saying like, if, unless there's something before then, yes. That that's a. That's no, a, but don't worry about what's before then. I say because you failed, you dress up as Alexa Bliss for Extreme Rules. That's what I say too. All right. Ah! On the record. You on the record. You have to have a wig, too. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. <laughs> I got to do the full costume? I, I don't know about the full costume for the full show. Uh, you, don't, you, don't ha- you don't have to do the full costume because I don't want you to wear her gear because you wouldn't be as attractive. But, I mean, awfully close, though. I mean, he's about the same. I, I, I got to say, I think he's, I, I, I want, make a pr- good, want, really pretty Alexa, to be honest. I want, I want you to wear the makeup. The the lipstick, the eyeshadow, and a wig. If you do that, then it's bet paid off. But you've been dragging this out for too long. You have to do this. Aaron? Oh, he froze again. Of course. Of course he froze again right as we put him on the spot. That would exactly be what would happen. God damn it. I do something. Am I, am I here? Yeah, you're coming back. Pay your internet bill, dick. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, I will do something for Extreme Rules. I don't know about the exact ones, but I will do something Alexa for Extreme Rules. Oh, I don't know God. about the full uh, wig, full full makeup. Uh, I will do something for Extreme Rules. Yeah. This guy, Aaron, always tries to get out of it, man. This yeah, is right. No, he's trying to defend himself, and he can't because his computer sucks. <laughs> Your computer sucks, so you can't even defend yourself. We just get to sit back and laugh at you. That's what we get to do here. Um, all right, we got a lot to cover because we did have an amazing God. What a weekend we had! What an unbelievable weekend we had in Orlando. As we talked, this was this was your first ever Mania. So it was. So what was like? How how did you like? Well, well, what do you think of it now that you've actually experienced it? Now that you're no longer a virgin. Um, it was it was amazing. Of course, it was amazing. I mean, I knew it was going to be amazing. I, I wasn't surprised by that. Um. I, was it still amazing knowing that you had to go in the pond? Yeah, that, dude, it really that? turned my like <laughs> attitude on Sunday night. Like Once I realized I was going in, because I explained during the show that I two matches before it was official, I knew I had lost. I was like, well, I took way too ridiculously risky of picks. They're clearly, I mean, honestly, let's talk about it. They, except for, say, Mojo, it was fucking chalk on Sunday night. Like we, If we had just picked the favorites throughout the night, um, we would have all done really well. Of course, none of us knew that the Hardys were going to be in the tag team match, so that would have been the difference. But if we had just all picked favorites, we it was a chalky, chalky night at WrestleMania. So I knew kind of quickly, I'm out. I'm the one getting in the pond. And, like, literally, I it, it affected me. It affected my enjoyment of the end of the show because I was like, son of a bitch, I'm going to have to do And then it was like trying to figure out how I'm going to do Like, Am I going to get in the shower afterwards? Because if, if you guys remember, I had to be on a flight Dude, I, by the way, I almost missed my flight. <laughs> like, we had the shitty, our buddy Jeff and I had the shittiest Uber driver in the history of Uber who was from another, she wasn't from another country, she was from another planet. 
She was. She had no idea where she was going. She had no idea how to get to AJ's house. It was a disaster. By the time we got to the airport and had everyone who was at WrestleMania and everyone who spent the weekend at the theme parks trying to leave at the same time. By the time I got through security, like I had, um, I had A thirty nine was my boarding. They were already like the C, and I was like, oh god, like I just barely made the flight afterwards. But no, dude, look, I mean, come on, it was WrestleMania. It was everything. Um, we got to see the Undertaker's last match. We got to see Shinsuke's last match in uh, NXT. Um, even the the even though the, the Aaron fucked me and and promised me Grado and and didn't get me deliver me Grado on Saturday, I still had a good time at What Culture, and um and we went to Progress on Friday as well, which was an amazing. Wait 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 wait. wait. So you guys went to the show mm-hmm. to see Grado and turned down an opportunity at free pancakes at another show. And didn't even see Grado? Yeah, because Aaron's an asshole. What have we learned? Aaron is the fucking <laughs> worst. God, I hate Aaron. This was so not much. even my fault. <laughs> well, it got great yeah. notions. I get blamed for it. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Because if you guys, guess what, guess what? If you guys would have went and got pancakes at the show that was giving free pancakes instead, you would have no-showed Grado's no-show. That's true. That's true. And you know who didn't no show at that show? The pancakes. The pancakes the show. Pancakes showed. And apparently, not only did they, apparently did they show, they apparently showed in every match on the card. Apparently, it was somehow pancake related, um, which was amazing. But no, still, what culture was great. It was a great show. Um, dude, I don't know what else to say. Now, I am a little bit jealous. Because some of the listeners that we met that weekend uh, told me some stories about things that occurred, like, say, Aaron, did you go out after Raw on Monday night? Uh, no, I went straight back. Okay, I got this text about what happened on Monday night from one of, uh, one of the guys we met. Jeff from uh, San Diego messaged me and said, uh, the bar after Raw shut down because it was too crazy. So this other guy, Andrew, who we met from South Carolina, had speakers in his car, so he ran to get it, and they just kept blasting theme songs out in that little street between, you know, that awesome. where all the, uh, was that Wall Street? Is that what that was called? Wall Street or Church Street, Church Street. Yeah, Bologna. so they could keep the party going. And then he sent me video of them all just, like, hanging out on that street, drinking and playing theme songs all night. Like, I'm a little bit jealous that I missed that. I'm a little bit jealous that I wasn't there for awesome. that. I am super jealous that AJ got to see uh, the the second coming of Shinsuke Nakamura on Tuesday night. I am super jealous. I am even more jealous when you sent that video of the dark match from Tuesday night. Oh, when yeah. I, I straight up just started. I just whipped it out right there in a room of crowded people and started going at it. I just started, like, Shinsuke Nakamura and Dolph Ziggler. Holy yeah, fuck. And then I just turned Yeah, it. that doesn't suck. Yeah, and, that- the match was, and the match was awesome because it was a dark match, so... Ziggler obviously playing the heel. Um, people were doing the beach ball thing. Oh, I popped the beach ball at SmackDown because I'm the hero. Not the hero that you want, but the hero that you deserve. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, there was another beach ball, and people were doing beach ball chants and whatnot. And Ziggler was just laying into the crowd, talking about, you idiots only care about a beach ball. That's why. He's like, that's why Shinsuke can't beat me because he's worried about what you idiots think. Are you smarks out here that think you? That's know pretty anything? great. That's pretty during, great. Like during the match, while having Shinsuke in a headlock, it was fantastic. The match was great, and then to see Shin, I literally saw Shinsuke's entrance. What between NXT, twice on SmackDown, once for his segment, and then once for the dark match, and then again uh, last night 
at the NXT taping for the next three weeks that I went to. Uh, I've seen so much Shinsuke that I feel yeah. like I'm in a, I'm in Japan. Yeah, fuck you, dude. Just, you know, I'm just leaving in that. Fuck you, man. <laughs> oh, and by the way, you guys, dude, like, I've been to, I think this was my sixth NXT taping that I've been to. Um, this was the best taping I'd ever been to. Like, literally every match was crazy. Uh, and Drew McIntyre had two matches that are, that were both fantastic one against only only lurking and another one against uh andrade cien almost and they were just utterly beautiful not to mention there was a cage match i'm not gonna you know say who it was or how it goes but just know it was probably one of the best cage matches i've ever seen well um and you guys gotta watch nxt over the next three weeks it has it was just fantastic i had a ball um, up yours, man. Up yours. That's all I can say about you. Right? Go F yourself. But what a weekend we had. What a goddamn weekend we had. And is there anything that we that we did this weekend that we haven't recapped? Is there anything that we still need to cover? Uh, we have to cover the fact that Glenn is horrible at rock band. Oh, yeah. Oh, openly, yeah, openly admit it. Admit it. Well, you know what? I I'm not too surprised about Glenn. Mig's not being good at rock band really surprised. Yeah, that me. actually. I, I was genuinely shocked at that. Mig's picked classic rock songs. He works at a rock station and he fucking blew. He didn't know how to sing them. I'm like, dude, how do you not know the words? Like, what the what the fuck? That was very bizarre. Uh, although he could drum at least. Mig's Mig's. Oh, yeah, he could. I couldn't even do that. Hey, and, and I got to give props for his due. You know, I don't, I just like I don't hate on Roman Reigns for no reason. I have to give props when it's due. Aaron got some pipes, man. Yo. Aaron, Aaron could hold it down. On Aaron's rock. ability on Rock Band was the biggest upset of the week. I mean, it was, <laughs> I'm like, what the, f-? I just was, I thought we both suck and like, oh, we're cool. You know what I mean? Like, at least I'm not the only, when you suck at something, you just don't want to be the only one that sucks, right? Like, that's why I'm great. I'm grateful for Migs because I was like, all right, thank God. Um, but but yeah, I was like, oh well, good. At least at least if I suck, Aaron will suck too. And then he was like, oh, he doesn't suck at all. Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, we also have to cover the fact that we didn't go over any of the matches except the tag match from the NXT Takeover. Um, and I, while they were setting up the cage for the match last night, they showed the replay of Asuka versus uh, Ember Moon. God, that match was incredible. That was the best women's match on NXT since Sasha Bailey in Brooklyn. It was just so great. The story they told, the counters, the moves, how it ended, how it started from beginning to end. Fantastic match. Props to those ladies for putting on a hell of a show. Yeah, I thought that was the best booked match, uh, at least up until Monday where I thought of the revival was like the best booking of the of the whole week but uh as, as far as you know you have a great match out of them and you have it where oscar gets pushed to the brink where she needs to use the switch i thought was just absolutely genius and sets up so well for the future for them well i agree um i wholeheartedly agree and that's exactly sort of what we talked about that was the one thing i kind of got right this weekend was calling the the idea that i'm not saying that ember moon isn't ultimately going to get over on oscar and i think she will but it wasn't going to come now, and they're going to do something in order to keep it credible, so that Ember Moon remains very deserving of the opportunity. But just it wasn't going to come right now. So I no, I would, I'm with you. I thought it was great, and I like people were down on the the title match. I thought the title match was was well done. I think the problem is when you have obligations for what you have to do with matches, 
sometimes you have to prioritize storytelling over insanity. You know what I mean? And I think we get so used to insanity when it comes to NXT that we forget that they have obligations when it comes to storytelling. And so they had to make Bobby Roode really say whatever you want because he's Bobby Roode and I get that. But, like, he won the title in a bullshit way. So they had to do some things in order to justify Bobby Roode as a great champion and sort of the face of, the, of NXT now moving forward with Shinsuke Nakamura gone. And I think they accomplished that with a title match on Saturday night. And I, I don't know why anybody has a problem with the match. I thought the match was great. Like, I thought the match was, like, people really had an issue with that with the Bobby Yeah, Roode I mean, they, I think that they're so used to Shinsuke matches being so effing nuts that when there's one that's not completely effing bonkers, then they say, well, it was a little bit disappointing. Well, look, again, at some point, it was a, I agree with you. It was a good match. Um, it just wasn't absolutely insane the way some of his matches have been. Well, I, I, you have Shinsuke Nakamura... Two fantastic wrestlers, and it wasn't like a an all time classic match. So by that default, you're almost by default a little bit disappointed that it was only a really good match and not you know a truly memorable match. Right. And I think that's what it is as much as anything. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. All right, let's let's cover Raw and SmackDown just based on what we saw. Um, later on, we're going to talk about what's coming. Obviously, as we know, the superstar shakeup is happening. But let's cover what actually happened this week. Um, obviously, as Aaron referenced, we get the revival on Monday night. We get the return of Finn Balor on Monday night. Here's how obsessed I am with Shinsuke Nakamura that, like, even Finn Balor coming out, and I and I knew at that point that it was going to be Finn, and yet I was still disappointed. You know what I mean? Like, I was still just like, right. every time anything happened, I was like, this is the moment, right? This is what I'm getting Nakamura. Like, oh, oh, damn, 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 damn. Um, also got Angle on Raw. And then we got, obviously, as uh, we had uh, discussed the possibility of Kurt Angle, uh, does indeed become the general manager. It's interesting that he becomes the general manager at a time where he's a, the solo authority figure. Like that's a that's a little bit of a strange thing. And I I think his segment with his segment with Enzo Cass was gold. Oh, oh yeah, Angle hasn't lost gold. No, oh, no question. I think that the 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 real question with Kurt Angle is how long can you really have Kurt Angle as a face authority figure? Let's tell the truth. Kurt Angle is far better as a heel. Um, I, I think... I think he'll be a face for a very long time. You think for a long time? Yes. I don't think, I don't think that he can do anything at this moment, short of, like, costing Finn Balor the universal title. I don't think that there's anything he... And that just didn't, wouldn't make sense to me from his character. Like I, I don't think there's anything he can do right now after being gone so long, as great a career as he had, uh, and as funny as he is and has been. I think he's going to be a face at least until WrestleMania time next year. Like maybe if they want to do something, have him become a heel around Royal Rumble to work an angle like against the quote unquote authority for Mania next year, maybe. But like I don't, I don't see him becoming a heel. Like even though he is a great heel, he's also a great face. I hear you. And the fact that Stephanie's going to be back. So, like, that's your heel right there in the relationship, just like she had with Mick. It can work just as well. I think it honestly, like, even though I love Mick Foley, I think as a character, like, what he does and how funny he is, I think our Angle's character as a face with Stephanie would be better than Mick's as GM. I don't necessarily disagree. Um, I, I guess... I still think that Angle can be funny as a heel, and I, I think we just talked about the fact that I don't know that a a, a solo face uh, authority figure has worked. You know what I mean? Like I just don't know that. Wh- I don't think he's going to be solo for much longer, though. Okay, you like, think that Steph I- is back fairly quickly? 
Yeah, I mean, she went through a table, and yeah, they're going to sell it because she's a girl. They're going to say, oh, she's at home. Well, but then they also had Vince sort of suggest that it was going to be a while before we saw Stephanie again. I think it's after, I think, uh, what, payback is the end of this month, I think, something like the 29th or whatever. I think he comes back shortly after payback. Okay. I mean, that could end up being the case, and that's not that long, obviously. I I, I think she's going to come back after the Superstar Shakedown. Oh, wow. So you think she's coming really quickly. I, I think the point of getting her off TV for this is so that Kurt can make deals for faces and get heels on, blah, yep. blah, 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 so that when it's done, she comes back and has an issue with the things that he's done, and it sets up the same relationship that she had with Mick Foley. Okay. Yeah. I yep. think I think that yep. works. I think that can work. And I, I that, if it's that quick, then obviously there's no need whatsoever for Kurt Angle to become a heel again uh, that, at that point. Um the revival that's that's tremendous and it's it's so much of this is interesting in the context of what's coming and what's going to happen next week and who's going to where and you know that's the type of thing that we'll have to find out and we'll sort of save that for the next segment but um the revival are great everybody knows the revival are great the only i guess the question becomes will the wwe allow the revival the opportunity to to put on the types of matches on the main card that they did at nxt will they be given the opportunity to do the bonkers balls out unreal types of matches um because that's that's what they are like they they just they're the best tag team on the planet but like legitimately the best tag team on the planet yeah i mean uh first of all i just have to say like i said before i thought this was the best book of the whole week i thought the you know you come out you give them the insane pop from the crowd you let them you know go 50 50 with the new day as far as the chance go and then at the end of the match you make it clear these guys are heels we are not screwing around with this they are heels you're supposed to boo them and you let everybody uh you let everybody know that i thought that was fantastic i i think what they're going to do is they're going to have them work with the new day and i think the new day's going to smackdown it just makes too much sense either new so, day or or enzo and Cass are going to go what, to smackdown do, do well. You just said you have them working with New Day, and you have New. So do you have the revival also going to SmackDown? No, hang on, no, guys, no, guys, guys, no, guys, I, I guys. Mean, save I some mean, of this. Save this for the. We want to do. We want to save this for. We're going to do the Superstar Shakeup in the next segment. Right. Save yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but that's not. Uh, you didn't really comprehend what I was saying. But I'll just wait. Yeah, we'll talk about that more in segment number two. Um, uh, the other question is the Hardys, obviously, and I, we got some clarification that at least as of right now they are not going to be broken, but. You know, like Matt's still doing the delete, right? Still and doing the arms wide, and, and I and think that's still, a, you know. I think that's a necessary thing to try to play off his um, unbelievable popularity right now. Like you can't completely ignore it, and I think it's a, I, I think as as we referenced on Sunday night, it's a potential foreshadowing of what could come. That the the WD runs with this for a little bit, and then. You know, look, everybody was super excited to see, and I'm not comparing the Hardys to the Dudleys because the Hardys are way more over right now than the Dudleys ever were, but. Everybody was super excited to see the Dudleys come back, uh, was that, last year? And then that wore off within two months. And they didn't do the right thing and pull the trigger and try to do Bully Ray and go with that character. I I think the WWE has to be smart enough to realize, look, we are geeked, right? And we are all in on whatever Hardys we get right now. But that can wear off in a little bit, and it would set them up for the opportunity to then go through some character change at that point, whether it's broken Matt Hardy or whatever it is. Um, I think that you can show some depth at that point, but I, I do think as excited as we were on Sunday night and as excited as we are to have the Hardys back, um, it's the same thing as it is with everyone else. Once they've been back, once we see them on TV every week and they're doing sort of the same thing, that, that luster will wear off. And then I think they need to have a direction for the characters. 
I do wonder how much of this is creative control and how much of this is the, the pending legal situation with TNA. Yes. TNA still claims they own the broken characters, and are they just waiting for everything to pan out before moving forward with uh, the Hardys? TNA doesn't even own their own masters, bro. Like, they're the worst. Yeah. I hate that they're going out of their way to be annoying about this. Yeah, it's obnoxious. It's it's clearly obnoxious. Especially uh, with now that the Hardys are gone, they're going to be out of business in six months. I mean, they... They let's be honest. TNA's been floundering for years, and it was if it wasn't for Broken Matt Hardy, they'd be in the dumpster right now. Correct. And, and now he's gone. And I love Moose, and I love Cody Rhodes, and I love Alberto Del Rio. Oh, sorry, Alberto El Patron. But at the end of the day, they're not going to keep that that sinking ship afloat. No, they're not, ultimately. Although we have, we have been saying that for the last three years, in fairness, right? Like, more, more than, I, I feel like yeah. you know, it closed its in like 2011, probably. Yeah, it's been a long time that we've been suggesting that they were, they didn't have a long time, and they have survived to this point, so who knows? I mean, who knows? But I'm, I tend to be with you, AJ. The other thing from Raw is uh, uh, Emma. Emma is back, yeah, and I know, I know you're excited, Aaron. I'm still convinced they don't have any clue what they're doing. That like it's it's awesome because we love Emma, but I just don't think they have any any clue at all what they're doing with Emma, and I don't know that they know how she fits into this picture and what has been just tremendous from the women's division. So I'm worried about it. Like I'm happy to see her back, but my gut tells me that she's just gonna lose. She's there to lose a handful of matches, and they have no real direction for her whatsoever. I think she might be going to SmackDown. Yeah, and I just don't know if they have more direction for her there either. I just don't know if they know what what Emma is. I'm I'm worried that they don't know, and that's why I think I think you have a much easier time getting. Even though Emma's great and Emma should be a champion and she's fantastic, I think you have a much easier time establishing Emma as a main event or not a main event. Well, maybe it's a women's revolution, but a top female heel. Um, on SmackDown, when Naomi's the champ, yeah, but we don't know what Alexa, else they might Alexa be. Alexa Bliss just dropped the belt, right? You know, so she could be out of the and she just lost her rematch, so she's going to be out of the picture. Mickey James, you don't need to put the belt on her. Carmella, you don't need to put the belt on her. Natalia, you could, but you really don't. So like, it's a lot easier for Emma to go over to SmackDown and immediately be more relevant, build for a couple months, and then take the belt from Naomi. And that might be the best way to go with it. I, I just, I don't know how you haven't been able to figure out Emma yet. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why it is that we're this far in with Emma on the main roster and there's been, there's never been any direction. And I get the part of that is she got hurt, right? Like the one time they did seem yeah, as though. It seemed like, she, you know, the evil Emma was starting to get going and then she got hurt right. just as it was going to And that clearly, so they, they yeah. had direction there. That might be, that might be the big problem that, that I'm not considering in the process. But um, it's frustrating. I mean, it's really frustrating. Uh, Tuesday, we got Shinsuke. Holy shit. I mean, just holy, holy shit. Was that ever just the most perfect thing? Um, it, it introduced something. Have they ever done more without having someone speak in, in ever? I mean, it was just... Oh short, of, short of Jericho coming back. I was going to say Jericho, yeah. Yeah, so, like, yeah. But this is the best one since then, and that was what? Three years ago now? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was a while. Back, right? It was a minute. That's a good point. Um, just perfect. It was absolute perfection. It was everything that you could want. And I think the other thing that it proved, I think that we, we need to start talking about Nakamura in that while other guys they've attempted to immediately put into the main event picture, 
I think what you saw on Tuesday night was proof that Shinsuke Nakamura is legitimately as big today as almost anyone on the main roster. I mean, it's it's not like there's over and then there's cultural phenomenon. And I think we need to be treating this and understanding that this truly is becoming a cultural phenomenon with Shinsuke Nakamura. And there's no fear there's no learning curve necessary here. Like it, it, you don't really have to introduce. I get that. There's. I'm always the one that reminds. There's a handful of people that don't that don't watch NXT that don't know who these people are. But I, I somehow think it's different with Shinsuke. I don't know what it is. I think it's different than it was with Finn. I think it's different than it was with with it's Kevin the Owens. Song. Well, it's, 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 the, it's his charisma. I've well, been it's, saying it's it's his charisma too. But like when he comes out and people sing that song, like for for example, Aiden Brent Grimes who. Obviously, Glenn doesn't know who that I'm is. I'm not but, familiar. I'm not. What does he do? Uh, what, what, I, like, I know. I saw there was a guy at your house this weekend, and I was like, hey, you seem nice. I just wish that I knew anything about you. <laughs> he plays defensive back for the Tampa Bay Bucks. By the way, you uh, just but, moved your camera, so we are staring at your fucking nipples right now. It is the most uncomfortable thing <laughs> I've ever seen. It is, it is like the so, weirdest porn that has ever I'm existed. Just, I'm just a sexy Kurt. <laughs> um, I'll make your ankles hurt. <laughs> no, but... Uh, Aiden, who is Brent's son, six years old, heard Shinsuke's music and sang, heard everybody singing and immediately started singing along. And it's easier, just like when Ty Dillinger debuted, it's easier to get behind someone when literally everyone in the crowd is behind them. And just like when Enzo and Cass first came up, even if you had no idea who they were when they first debuted, when you heard, you can't teach that. Yeah, it's true. yeah, and everybody got behind them. It's it's the same concept. Just the tens, the the uh, Shinsuke singing. When Bobby Roode finally comes up, the glorious. It's it just gets to a point where even casual fans that don't know who this person is get excited about them because of what they're hearing from everyone else. They know they must be a big deal because everyone else thinks they are. Yeah, the the song is definitely a part. But you know, like I've been watching. I, I and this isn't like a, a smarky thing, but like. I've been able to experience people's first experiences with Shinsuke over you know several years now. I, I brought uh, Kelly up to Philadelphia to watch it. I saw her see Shinsuke for the first time, and her eyes just lit up when she saw him, you know, do his thing along the ropes. He would do do the bend, kind of just crack a smile at the crowd. Last year, I was sat with Jeff as we saw it with uh, Takeover for the first time. When you see Shinsuke for the very first time. He has such a presence that almost nobody else on the planet has that it's just contagious. You can't help but realize, oh, my God, this guy is a huge fucking deal. Right, which is obviously part of the reason why we're all so fucking obsessed with him. Like, we, and let's just Dude, tell we the- all had, we all knew it was going to be his last match in NXT, so we were like, out of respect for King Shinsuke, the but king it, of It's so funny you say that, AJ, because I, I think if you ask me right now to list my favorite wrestlers, I don't think that the first one that I would list would be Shinsuke Nakamura, but it's almost as if what we're saying is, well, of course the answer is Shinsuke Nakamura, so now let's tell you about the other guys that we like, right? Like, like it was, if, I, if, I, if I said right now who's your favorite wrestler, obviously number one is Roman Reigns. After, for a long time, it's been Finn Balor, number two. But I really think Shinsuke might have jumped Finn Balor. Like I really like I didn't think that was possible. But Shinsuke is, I love the man. Okay, I, I, but but in, really and you guys, think, I really think if Tots would let me, 
I would name my first child Shinsuke. I wouldn't blame you one bit. It would make Shinsuke, you a better Shinsuke Nakamura Francis. I think that's a, a brilliant name. name. I think it's a brilliant name. But like you guys know, like I, I love KO. I love No Way Jose. You can make fun of me all you want. I fucking love No Way Jose. That's just the way it is. But like, it, I, it's almost as if I don't say Nakamura because like you love K Quick too. I do. Oh my God. Do I ever? You're absolutely right about that. Um, but it's almost like somebody saying, Hey, do you, you know, what's, what's your favorite food? Nobody ever says chicken, despite the fact that like we all eat more chicken than we eat anything else. But nobody says chicken's your favorite food because like, of course chicken's your, you know, like we, that's what we all eat. I feel like it's gotten to that point with Shinsuke Nakamura. Like you don't even say it. Like, of course everyone, I, yes, I'm obsessed with Shinsuke Nakamura, but that's only because I'm breathing, right? Like if you're breathing, yeah. <laughs> you're obsessed with Shinsuke Nakamura because he's everything it's it is and i'm gonna say that it is it is rock like you know what i mean it is yes it, it is to the point where holy goddamn shit and as excited i was about you know like the idea of him and the miz i i started realizing like i'm going to be excited no matter fucking what they do with Dude, shinsuke nakamura so like, so like the way it when i was because you guys saw it on tv so they obviously played up shinsuke came out while miz was out there but like the way it looked live without commentators, uh, it, it it looked like the Miz segment ended and like Shinsuke came out and like you know how sometimes the segment will end and they won't go up the ramp because whoever's coming out is doing right. something on the ramp so they'll go out the back. It kind of looked like Shinsuke came out and had his own segment and then Dolph Ziggler came out afterwards to do the dark segment to set up the match at the end of the night and. I was so I had thought I was like, yo, they're going with Shinsuke versus Dolph. That's fucking sick. I was so excited for it, right? And I was like, yo, if that's the feud coming out, that would be crazy. And then I see on Twitter that it's looking more like Shinsuke versus Miz. And then I started thinking, holy shit, that's sick too. And that's the and point. Then I start, but the, and then I start realizing there's nothing bad that you can correct. do. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Literally <laughs> anything. I don't know if I'd like to see Shinsuke Great Kali. But even that, like, that would be awesome. I think they could make it work. If Shinsuke found a way to hit the Kinshasa on Great Khali's big ass, he would be worth his weight in gold. And I and I think that's why we're all freaking out so much right now. Is that there there are there are endless possibilities with this. Like you, uh, ready, it's, here, here, here's here's the idea I have. Okay, you ready? 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 You have this little tease with AJ Styles potentially becoming a face. Right? It looks like that's the plan. What if AJ Styles is doing all this as a work and he gets the belt off of Randy Orton by, you know, really showing that he's a heel and, and we get AJ Styles it, versus Shinsuke Nakamura at SummerSlam? I, I, and I'm not kidding. This is not hyperbole. I think that would be the greatest match in the history of SummerSlam. I, I and, agree. And, and this is – I'm not even I'm, – I, I know it sounds absurd, but I'm, I'm not kidding – I have thought about AJ Styles because I, I, I came to the revelation. I said it about three times on the Sunday Night Show, and nobody stopped me when I said it. AJ Styles is the top professional wrestler on the planet currently. You, you are correct. He's, no one's going to argue. I mean, you might say you can say other people, but you're not wrong by saying AJ. He's like, the AJ, guy. It's like we yeah. were talking about. It's like we were talking about with Undertaker. Like none of us have Undertaker on around Mount Rushmore. But if anyone came on our show right now and said Undertaker is on their Mount Rushmore and is the greatest right. form of all time, right. We'd all be like, Yeah, you're, yeah you know, you got a point, right? Yeah, absolutely, have a point. You're not and, wrong. It's the same thing with AJ Styles. Like AJ Styles is the best professional wrestler on the planet today. Um, I, I AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, 
I, and I and and maybe it's just for us, right? Like maybe it's not for other. I I don't think so though. I think that I, I honestly the, the the reason that you more you talk about it, the reason I think that that won't ever happen at SummerSlam is because I think AJ Styles Shinsuke Nakamura is a main event of WrestleMania type match. Yeah, I I hope they hold that off. But there, there's another reason why I don't think that's happening at uh, SummerSlam. But I'm going to talk about it in the next segment. Okay, then, we'll we'll, uh, we'll save we'll save that. But I just yeah. I, I, I've thought about that so much, AJ. I've thought about that concept. And I, and I think I'm thinking about it in all these contexts that we've talked about. It, that I'm, I'm coming to grips with the fact that AJ Styles is the top guy on, on the planet right now. I'm coming to the grips with the fact that like Nakamura is everything. is just the, the biggest obsession that we've had in so long. And I don't know that there will have ever been anything that I would I would be so... And maybe, Aaron, I don't want him to wait. You know, like Maybe AJ, you know, when you say WrestleMania... I, I don't want to. I'm always worried that if you don't do it right now, you're never going to get to it, right? And it won't be the same when you do. Like, there's a part of me that just says, "This is perfection. This is the one for us. This is the and this one." This could also be. This could also be the way that you make Survivor Series relevant again without having to do the super duper old person comes back match. Right. You could easily find a way to work up to Shinsuke Nakamura versus AJ Styles at Survivor Series if you don't want to blow it oh off God. too early at SummerSlam, oh. but, you, but you can't wait until Mania because you have other ideas for both of them. I, you know, again, I would be upset because I don't, I don't feel as though the stage is big enough, but... If it gets me to Shinsuke uh, I don't, Nakamura, I don't, I don't, I don't, I hate to burst your bubble. Just like when bat, we voted Battleground pay per view of the year last that year, is true. mainly because fair there, enough. But it was it was because the Shield triple threat. That's a good point. Because that made that that match made that pay per view elevate. Yep. Shinsuke versus AJ Styles. If it's on fucking backlash. Yep. Backlash is the biggest pay per view of the year. Okay. When you're right, you're right. You're right this time. <laughs> you're right this time. <laughs> All right, uh, why don't we grab a break here, and then we'll come back in, and we'll talk about what's coming next week. Um, Superstar Shake-Up. What, we don't really know much, and that's sort of, it bothers Kinda me. Cool. Yeah, it, it's cool. It's good. It's, it should be that way, but because we're nerds, we always want to know more. That's just the way that it is. Uh, we'll talk about that when we come back in. I'm Glenn, he's Aaron, and he's... The main event. AJ France of the Washington Redskins. This is Jobbing Out. The new edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Steve Jones looks at the life and legacy of Maryland native Keon Carpenter, the late former NFL safety whose philanthropic mission continues thanks to other area athletes. Also in the issue, a 15th anniversary celebration of Maryland's national championship basketball team. Press Box is available for free at over 500 locations in the area, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also read the entire edition and see the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Our children's futures start at a very young age, and Catholic schools prepare them for that future. Academic excellence with the belief that all students will succeed. A balanced curriculum, integrating music and arts, foreign language and Catholic faith, while challenging students in the areas of science, math, and technology. Discover the Catholic school's difference. Please visit archbalt.org schools. That's A-R-C-H-B-A-L-T dot org slash schools for more information. Hey, this is Stan the Fan, the old wily veteran of Baltimore baseball talk. While my fastball might not sit at 95 miles per hour anymore, we'll get by talking baseball just the same every Saturday morning from 10 to 12. Craig Heist will be co-hosting most weeks, and together our baseball Rolodexes will provide you, the listeners, with some compelling talk about the national pastime, the teams you like to root for, and all the machinations going on within the 2017 baseball season. That's the Battle Round. 
every Saturday from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Listen here or see us on Facebook Live. You've been waiting for almost a year, and now Fish for Lent is back at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square through April 15th. Serve several different ways. You can get fish fillets on a bun with a tartar sauce packet. You can even make a deluxe with lettuce, tomato, and cheese. Or get it without bread. They have a two- or three-piece fish fillet option as well. Their fish is not cooked in peanut oil and is cooked in a separate fryer from their other products. That's Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square Fish for Lent, available through April 15th, 5198 Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Back in here for segment number two. It is Jobbing Out, Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster, and... The main event. A.J. Francis, the Washington Redskins. So, what is ahead this week on Monday night? We will have a superstar shakeup. And here's what we know about the superstar shakeup. Nothing. Exactly. We don't <laughs> know dick about the superstar shakeup. So, it could be that, like... Both. I think, I think it's gonna be like you have. They're gonna have a guy versus from SmackDown fight a guy on Raw, and if the guy from SmackDown wins, then Shane can pick somebody from Raw's roster, or he can pick the guy that lost. Okay, or you know something like that. I think that's how they're gonna do it. All right. I mean, will, will, will it be random? Will it be? I, I think that's the question. Is gonna be you know a, a random pick? Will it be actual? You know, Shane can pick anybody, in which case, why wouldn't he just pick, like, Brock Lesnar right off the bat? Or maybe champions are protected. That's the thing. We don't know. I think that if they did it like an—I think what you're alluding to, Aaron, like the idea of an expansion draft type of deal, I think that would be the best way. If they did this where they, like—where they where they did exactly what, what AJ's talking about, where they had some matches and, like, you could win the right to be protected, right, and, like, not involved in the draft portion of it— I think that would be great. Or if they told both Shane and Kurt Angle, like, you can protect, you know, 10 people from your roster and everybody else is eligible to be selected. I think that would be the best way to go about doing Because then it creates more storylines within the authority, right? Like, oh, you protected so-and-so, but you didn't protect me. That's why I almost think that trade, like, if if you told that, like, throughout the night, uh, let's say Vince said, guys, you know, six guy, six people have to transfer shows. Figure out a way to make this work. Go sit, you know, you, you have almost like a war room there where, where they're sitting there. I think that creates a very compelling storyline. I like there. the concept of the war room. I love, I mean, who doesn't love a war room other than the movie War Room, which was hot. Oh, that was called Draft Day. Never mind. Draft never day, mind. Yeah. It wasn't called War Room. Never, never mind. My apologies. It should have been called War Room. I had, to put, I had to put Jennifer Garner on when she was promoting that, and they were like, oh, by the way, you're not allowed to talk to her about her personal life. And I was just like, and I was so stupid. I'm like, I don't. Why is that a thing? I didn't know she was like married to Ben Affleck because I am an asshole. Like I don't know anything about the fucking world beyond me. Um, so should have been like, so what do you think about the new Batman movie? <laughs> 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 all right, so you, we've already alluded to a couple, but I, I think what we need to do here is let's all we can go one at a time. 
Give me three. We'll do a total of three. Give me three moves that you think are are no-brainers as far as the superstar shakeup is concerned. Uh, Aaron, I'll start with you. Give me your first one. Um, I think the New Day, I think that that was part of I think that what, what the way that Raw and SmackDown were set up, I think they gave you hints. Some of these people who were left laying in the middle of these matches was kind of that was their way to depart the show. I think the New Day being, you know, laid out by the revival, that's their their way to get over to SmackDown. I think it's a big way. I think that's an important thing. They need another tag team over there. The New Day fits the bill perfectly. Um I think that All right, stop stop there. We'll go around the circle. So that's oh, one. Okay, that's and I'll I'll go I'll go to AJ next. AJ, give me one. Uh, I, I agree with Aaron, but like I was saying earlier in the first segment, the reason I said I think they're going to keep working with the New Day is what I meant was because of how they attack the New Day, I think that this Monday they're going to come out and they're going to have another match with the Revival in which the Revival was probably going to win again, and that's how New Day is going to depart from Raw. You know what I'm saying? Give Revival back-to-back wins. Because they did basically the same. Even when the New Day was tag team champs and they were on top of the world um, and everything was gravy, baby, they still had the match with the Wyatts at Battleground. And they did the job for the Wyatts because they knew the Wyatts were going to be on SmackDown and they weren't going to be a part with them, part of them anymore. So I think that's how they're going to do use the New Day to get the Revival over and the Revival is going to attack them again. And... Um, and they're going to end up on SmackDown. I, I agree with Aaron. All right. Um, I, I'll go a different direction then with my first one. I, I, hate, I hate this because I, I, don't, I don't know what you're doing anymore with it, but I think you have to get Dolph, Smith, Dolph Ziggler off SmackDown now. I, you've, you've fucked it up again. You've, I, I don't know how. I can't believe that of all the, the talent on the planet, that Dolph Ziggler is the one that you fuck up all the time. I just can't fathom how that's the case. Um. I think you have to get him off of SmackDown. I think it's it's gone stale for whatever reason it's gone stale, and I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. The guy can literally do anything. Um, it, it's infuriating, but I think you have to get him off SmackDown and get him somewhere where there's a new direction for him. I don't think the heel character is working, although AJ, you know, I, I'm sure it was great on Tuesday night, but I, I just I can't continue to stomach watching them not figure out. You no, know, the thing, the problem with Dolph Ziggler's character isn't that the heel thing isn't working. He's a great heel. The problem is the faces they have him working with aren't over. Apollo Crews isn't over. Yeah. Kalisto, even though he's great, it hasn't been over for almost a year now. Like he, The guys he's working with aren't over. If they got Dolph Ziggler with Dean Ambrose, or if they got him with AJ Styles, or Shinsuke Nakamura, or any other face that's over, it would work. But the problem is the guys they have him working with aren't over. Like, if they, even like, even Dean, like Dean is over, but he's marginally over. Like right. Dean got when I was in SmackDown yesterday, uh, Tuesday, I, while during his promo. Now, granted, they were still still a smarky crowd. Yes, but still, like it was sixty forty cheers at best. You know what I'm saying? So, I hear like, you. Like he's he's still not as over as I would like him to be, or as over as he would want to be, obviously. But like Ziggler's not working with guys that are red that have juice right now and that's half the issue well and i don't i it that part of it is why i don't know that it's a bad idea now again you know who are the faces that you're feeding him to because chris jericho's this is one of the problems you have coming up on raw is who are your faces because i, I don't i don't i still think they're going to try to keep roman reigns a face but you know how successful that's going to be um they're losing chris jericho who's is kind of quote unquote like the top face at the moment um 
yeah, Finn maybe Balor, Finn, yeah, Rollins, Finn Zane Rollins. Would the, I, and, and they who would know if Zane, who knows if Zane stays on the uh, right. The I just Raw I just think that right now you've you fucked this up the last couple of months, and Dolph Ziggler should go back to Raw. Now, uh, Aaron, your next one. Uh, my next one. I don't know exactly how it's going to be framed, but I think that we are going to see a swap of women between Raw and SmackDown, where Charlotte goes over to SmackDown, Alexa comes back to Raw. I think that that. You know, it keeps the same dynamics. I think the dynamics are important right now. So right. you have the two heels switching, but it freshens up both of them. It freshens up the feud. Charlotte has feuded with basically everybody on Raw. You let her go over to SmackDown. And meanwhile, you get a new challenger for Bailey or whoever else. So I, I think, and again, I think that's one of the reasons why Charlotte was left laying on Raw. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I, I really love that idea. I've already alluded to, um, I was going to say, I think that Emma goes over to SmackDown. Um, I'm, I'm not totally against Emma and Charlotte going over to SmackDown because realistically, uh, after Alexa Bliss, who just got knocked out of the title picture and could very well be on her way to Raw, like Aaron said, uh, after Alexa Bliss, your next top heel is Natalia, who we all love, but Natalia's not a heel. That yeah, she's not up. over that way. I agree. Yeah. You know what I'm right. saying? She's not, that's not her. Um, then you have Mickey James, who we still all like, but she's also 40 something years old and she's just, it, it, I think it would be better. I think, I think you just aged Mickey James a little bit. I still think she's in her thirties. Oh, uh, sorry, Mickey. <laughs> yeah, You're still right? hot if it makes you feel any better. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. She's still smoking, she's smoking hot. But, uh, she's 37, she's by the way. Even if she's in her fifties, I'm still going after it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but... <laughs> But, like, I think Charlotte or and or Emma going over to SmackDown could be very big, and I think that it would help out the women's division over there uh, a lot. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. All right. So, uh, boy, you guys just went women for both those. I'm going to have to try to go a different direction as well. Um, one of the things that I think that, that would be well served in this process, um, I, I think, and I'm not – there's a lot that I like um, – uh, about what you've seen. I think that Sami Zayn jumping to SmackDown is an obvious one. And I think that it, it's almost too obvious that we don't even have to say it, but Sami Zayn is great. Um, he's just sort of gotten lost in the mess over there. I think he could go to SmackDown and kind of quickly be a top face on that show. I think you could get him legitimately into the title picture on SmackDown and not and I don't think it's, there's any loss of credit, credibility because he hasn't been in, in the main event on Raw. I think it's a realization of, this is Sammy fucking Zayn. We love Sammy fucking Zayn. And if you put him in the main event picture on SmackDown, we're okay with that because of how much we like Sammy Zayn. So I think Sammy Zayn to SmackDown is a fairly obvious one because he has lacked direction on Raw for a little while. And I think because SmackDown's been the better wrestling show and wrestling fans are kind of more into SmackDown... Um, I think he's perfect for what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes all the sense in the world. All right, well, then I'm just brilliant. Very good. Aaron, you're third. Uh, my third, and I I think it's going to happen. I don't want it to happen, but um, I just I feel like that's what the segment screamed to me on uh, Tuesday. I think AJ Styles is going to Raw. Uh. I think it's a bad idea, uh. but... I, I feel like more than I think people were saying, oh, maybe that's a, the beginning of a face turn for you, AJ. You, I think it's more just simply wrapping up the Shane McMahon storyline so he can move over to Raw. The do you, do you think that means that, – you, are you saying that because you think we're going to get to AJ Brock at, at SummerSlam? Um, I wasn't necessarily – I think at some point we're getting AJ Brock, but I, I think that they – Well, the answer is AJ Brock at SummerSlam, and we all watch naked. I mean, that's the yeah, answer. I mean, that, like, that would be – Jesus wonderful. Christ. Oh, my God. 
AJ like, Brock. It's, if I'm not going to get AJ Nakamura at SummerSlam and my consolation prize is AJ Brock, I'll live. I'll live. I, mean, I don't know. Hey, I'm going to say this now on the record. I don't know if we'll ever get AJ Brock. Why? AJ Because AJ Styles doesn't look like the kind of guy that they would like to put up against Brock. Same reason we didn't get AJ Daniel Bryan. They just like when you put somebody up against Brock, they have to have a certain stature about them. They have to be a certain size. Little guys don't go against Brock. That's just not how Brock's character no, I works. I mean, they did once. The smaller, right, they did it with Dean. They, yeah, they, Dean. And, and Dean's like 6'2". Like, right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it, it's, it, I don't think that they'll add. I don't think that that's ever going to happen. Okay, but I think if you're turning AJ face and you're trying to position, it's the same. Well, I don't know if he's turning him face. Okay, and if that's the no. case, and look, if you're not turning AJ face, obviously you're not getting it. But I think it almost is the same storyline that I was trying to push with, with um, Brock Daniel Bryan, which is it's such a natural storyline if you decide to go that direction with AJ going face, which it appeared that was the direction they were trying to go on Monday night. But, but I, Brock again, Lesnar's a face. At the moment, Brock Lesnar's a face. It takes Brock Lesnar all of like six seconds to become a heel again. You know what You're I mean? Right. Like, it takes him, here, watch me throw a human being 50 feet. Oh, remember? I'm a heel. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't right. take all that much to get back to that point. So I think you could pull off something similar to what I always suggested was the easiest sell in the history of WrestleMania with Brock Daniel Bryan is literally being, and I get it, not literally, but play with play along with me, David Goliath. You know what I mean? I think you get something similar if you go at that route with AJ and Brock, and I think it could work. I believe you mean figuratively. I, I of course, mean figuratively. <laughs> of course, I mean figuratively. God damn it, I hate I, you. I, I think the big thing with if AJ Styles moves, like they better be getting someone big in return. They better be getting a Finn Balor. They better be getting a... Seth Rollins. I don't even know if Seth Rollins would be a fair trade at this point, but they need to get, because if you're taking AJ Styles away from SmackDown, you're not leaving SmackDown with a ton at the top of the card. You better be getting uh, something back good. They better just not be using this to screw over SmackDown. I don't think that the, and that's why my pick is not AJ Styles to go to Raw. I think John Cena is going to Raw. Part-timer, yeah. Yeah, He's not going to be around for the next few months. That makes sense. Yeah. It gives yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. You know, it's funny you say that, Aaron. Though, like, wouldn't we agree though that coming out of the draft, um, it looked like far more talent had gone to Raw than went to SmackDown, right? Yes. Like, and yet, I mean, st- it, if we're being honest, and that's, I'm not saying that's SmackDown would case. be a bad show. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's my my point being. I think that that's the story on SmackDown has been about the writing. So if Sami Zayn goes back to SmackDown today, it feels like that's not a lot of star power going to SmackDown. But I think that within six months, I like I'll, I'll say there's a bold statement. If AJ Styles had gone to Raw, I wouldn't think of AJ Styles today as being the best professional wrestler on the face of the planet because he wouldn't have been given the opportunity to do the things that he was given the opportunity to do on SmackDown where we all remembered, oh, holy fuck, AJ Styles is perfect and is everything and is wonderful, right? Like, I, I think that the star... I don't think you're wrong about the star power concept, but I think what's been great about SmackDown is it hasn't needed to be necessarily star power. Goddamn, Dean Ambrose and Dolph Ziggler was awesome was incredible and today they both look like jobbers you know what i mean like it it's i think that smackdown does not necessarily it's been so good and it's in such a groove it doesn't necessarily need for it to be top talent wise i or the biggest names you know what i mean i think they can they can make a sammy Zayn a star and a must watch thing week in and week out because it's smackdown at this point 
But I, I think one thing you don't want the perception that you're, you know, you're raiding SmackDown to go to Raw. Even if that perception's out there, that hurts SmackDown a little bit. And I, I think you just need to be careful about that if you're taking I, arguably their biggest star I, I, and moving it over. I get it. I get. Look, if you're moving AJ Styles over, who is clearly the face of SmackDown at this point, then yeah, I mean, you got to have a plan for what you're doing to replace that. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but. You know, short of that answer, like who who could re- who could replace? Who could that be? The flip be? Because if you told me the flip was AJ Styles going to uh, Raw, but Kevin Owens is going to SmackDown, yeah, I'll listen. You know what I mean? Like I'll listen to that because I think I might love Kevin Owens on SmackDown for a little while. I think that might I, not. I, be... I was thinking Finn might make the most sense. Yeah, I would but... not. I I don't know that I would love that because I think that again would be would look in your concept that would look like an uneven trade. Finn has been around for. You know, three shows in the la- in his in his life, right? Um, so I don't know that that would be, but you know, I I hear you, I hear you. Uh, AJ, you got one more? Uh, yeah, I think Baron Corbin's going to go over to Raw. I think that was the point of him going over on uh, Dean Ambrose mm-hmm. uh, in that street fight, which wasn't for the title. Which is, uh, I I really think that was the point of that whole segment was to reestablish Baron Corbin as he goes back over to Raw. Okay. Makes sense. I, I, I would love, you know what I'd love to see? You send Corbin over to Raw, you send Braun back over to Strowman. If you're doing that swap, both guys, I think, could uh, use a little bit of change of scenery there. I'm, I'm going to send Braun to, Braun to SmackDown instead of Braun to Strowman. That's yeah, going to be Strowman the Braun show, to Strowman. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, I would watch that, though, if that was an <laughs> I'd option. Watch I'd watch the Braun. <laughs> a two-hour two show about Braun Strowman? <laughs> I, uh, I'd watch that. I would oh, Braun! Braun! <laughs> I'm not opposed to it. Um, one more that I think is, is, is sensical. I know he's hurt right now, but I think that Rusev going to SmackDown would make an awful lot of sense. Um, I think that he's a guy that's also kind of been lost in the shuffle on Raw. And again, Rusev is great. Um, and I think just giving him something, some new scenery. I've always thought that Rusev was a future champion. It doesn't look wonderful right now for that to be the case, but um, I still think that he could become that. I think that, that SmackDown would be a good place for I him. I think he would be great at, on SmackDown. Yeah, I think I think he would have an awful lot. Because to... SmackDown doesn't have a monster heel right now. Like, their closest thing to it is Baron Corbin. So a swap of Baron Corbin and Rusev could be big for both of them. When you say when you say monster, like, you mean size-wise monster heel? Or, like, are you just saying that because Bray's too much of a tweener? Like, Bray's not, like, Bray is not a dominant right. figure. Wrestling. Like, even though he's quote unquote a monster, a demon, he's like right. all that. But like he just lost to Randy Orton at WrestleMania. Like he he loses a lot. Like when he won versus AJ in the Elimination Chamber, everyone popped because they were so used to him not doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like Rusev has had yes, he's had stretches where he didn't win, but he's also had stretches where he dominated everyone he faced. So like Bray's never had that. Oh, that's a great point. You're absolutely right about that, and I, I think that Rusev could walk in and could be a terror immediately in all of the yes. shit that they have dealt Rusev, you know, going back to John Cena, is kind of forgotten because he could walk in and immediately be so goddamn credible. Is there anyone else that we're not thinking about that would be logical? As uh, I was thinking possibly uh, the, just the way they did it with, with Shinsuke coming out and Miz disappearing, that that might be a sign that the Miz might go over just kind of going based on what we were looking at there. Uh, it, it, it was very weirdly done. I'd love to see Shinsuke Miz, obviously, but just the way it was done makes me think, hmm, maybe that's Miz going over. 
I mean, I'm going to love the Miz no matter where he is. He's just done that type of work. Um, I don't. I don't love you teasing Miz Nakamura and then and then pulling the trigger so that one of them's on a different show. I think that's. I don't, I don't like that whatsoever. The other, the other weird part about this is, and I, it's it's just one of those weird story hole story loopholes that they announced another Bray Orton match while you have this this thing looming, right? Like that's. I I get it. You you you're trying to sell a pay per view, and I understand that. Well, the pay per views for. Eight weeks away, seven, eight weeks away. It's like the end of May. Right, so yeah, you don't need to start selling it yet. That's a mistake. It's a mistake to announce that with this thing looming. Unless it's like, unless it's a swerve, right? They announced another match, and by the way, it's never going to happen because uh, Bray Wyatt got drafted to Raw or got, you know, something like that. But it just feels like one of those, well, anybody could go except for the two guys that we already announced are going to be in our next pay-per-view main event. Obviously, those two guys aren't going. You know what I mean? I just, you didn't have to do that. You could have waited a week to announce your next championship match and left the possibility that one of those two guys is going to get drafted between now and then. That's all. It's a stupid... Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's a stupid the other, you, could also just, you could also just pull that match. Right. I know. I get it. It's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? I just... I feel like it, it, it wasn't necessary for you to announce it last week. You know what I mean? Like, you could have had Bray say, don't forget, I've got a rematch clause, right? And you didn't have to say... And it's going to be in this whatever the what the fuck what is, is a house of horror right? Like, what is it's probably I, just I kind of hope and then Randy Orton accepting it without knowing what it is. It's a really stupid move on his part. What if it's a Randy Orton cannot use offensive moves match? Yeah, that's that's kind of dumb. That's a that's a dumb. Like, it's <laughs> that would a, be horrific. Yeah, it's a kayfabe, right? <laughs> right, that would be house of horrors. <laughs> it's a silly kayfabe thing, but you know, it's a small thing that you don't. Again, you didn't have right. to do it that way. You just didn't yeah. have to set it up like that. You could have waited a little bit, and I think it would have been for the better. Um, all uh, right. One, one other thing, just fantasy booking wise, how awesome would it be if Kurt Angle drafted America Alf, American Alpha? Oh, I didn't even think. Oh my God! Of course. I mean, of course. That's a f- God. That's such a no-brainer. Oh my! I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot for not thinking of that. Yes, of course, American Alpha has to go to Raw. Of course, American Alpha has to be with Kurt Angle. And, of course, you know, that also could be ultimately if you did want to try to do something heelish with Kurt Angle, like you could have him sort of take them under his wings and then somewhere down the road be like, you're, you're not as good. You know, you're not good enough, something like that, and that could help you bring, in that Bring pro- back Benjamin and Haas. Well, and does anybody think that's a problem? I'm good with that as well. Although hey, Be- Benjamin's healthy again. Right, I think I heard that, that he had been cleared. Um I'm all for it. I am all for it. Do you think they're done with call-ups? I guess, I guess because of this, we're assuming there's no. not going to be a summer draft, right? Are we all working under the assumption that there will not be a draft in July or was it June, whatever it was, the, the way there was last year? I, I imagine not. That would be weird if you do the everything and then you do another draft. Um, it would not surprise me, though, if someone on if Monday— If I just push or, the draft back, like probably do it like— like after Survivor, no, after Survivor Series, like Survivor Series. Oh, we're using Survivor Series to, de- you know, for the draft order. Like depending on who wins. I hear. You. I just wonder. I wonder if they're doing this now because they want to set the calendar around WrestleMania. Like I just, yeah. I wonder if that's the reason for the timing of this. Is they want every year for their calendar to sort of go WrestleMania to WrestleMania, and so. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm not. It's interesting to me, and I'll say that one more time. So I, the first question I asked, I never, I think you started to answer it, and I, I didn't, I broke up. But you, do you think they still have call-ups to be made? 
Yes, I think that, well, I guess we don't really know. Is it going over two, like, is it going Monday and Tuesday? Is it all on Monday? I guess we don't really know They suggested it was just Monday. Um, It would not surprise me to see one or two guys, like maybe a drifter or someone like that. Okay. uh, You mean El Vagabondo, of course. El Vagabundo. The the great El Vagabundo. Oh, my God. AJ missed that. AJ missed that on on, uh, Saturday night, and it was perfection. It was so wonderful. Um, Yeah, that would make sense if they did something with the drifter. And AJ pointed out DIY, and I said I'm still not – yeah, I still think the 205 Live is a factor for DIY, as I think they're trying to uh, stock stock that. I think that adding like some tag teams I to mean, 205. Taking, if you take New Day and another face tag team, let's say Samus and Cesaro. What about Enzo and Cass? There was something weird going on with Enzo and Cass on Monday. I don't know exactly what the deal was. They were you know, kind of heelish in that interaction with the with Angle and then... Obviously, sorrow and shit. I don't think they were heelish at all. Coming out and complaining about the Hardys being in the match is a little bit unusual for a face. Why? They're they're saying how they got slighted, which is a very face thing to do. It's. I mean, is it though that a face thing to yeah, come out yeah. and say we got we got slighted here? Like you didn't have Cesaro and Sheamus, com- you know, complain about. It. You didn't have the club complain about it. You had Enzo and Cass complain about. It, which is, it's. I'm not saying it's def- definitively a heel thing, but it's a little bit odd for a character for to be the ones to complain about. So, so, so just so we're clear, that, that makes Daniel Bryan a heel on his run to WrestleMania when he complained about Triple H holding him down, right? I mean. They- uh, I mean, he was I mean, literally I, holding him down. He literally came I mean, out and kicked yeah. him and pedigreed him there. There's a little bit of a difference. It wasn't like the hard, you know, midway through the match, the Hardys came out and were added to it. It was a normal match. It's. I'm not saying it's definitively a heel. It's just a little bit of an odd look. I would have. I would not have expected Enzo and Cass to be the ones to say, "Hey, now, don't you think that you don't see?" I think you guys think too much about this, like. That to me, that was just a segment for them to just do an interaction with the new GM, and because they knew it would be hilarious. Because Kurt Angle as the straight man with Enzo and Cass is just fantastic. Agreed on all accounts, but, but we, I've also we had also been talking about Enzo and yes. Cass having a little bit of a funny dynamic for about a month now. Yeah, and where there's some fans were kind of getting and look the WrestleMania that was not the case. But we had seen in the build-up to WrestleMania, there are some weeks where fans kind of thought the Enzo thing was stale a little bit and weren't loving it. And so I didn't, I didn't think it Not would the be... Last two weeks. No, you're right. It's amazing how that, that existed and it went away just as quickly. I don't know that I've ever seen... It normally seems as though once like one fan base decides... We're not sure we like this anymore. Then everybody's got to, to duplicate that. But like, we heard it for a week or two, and then it just stopped. And everybody was way back on board with Enzo and Cass. Um, and I so we got this Sheamus and Cesaro chance all night. But on that, Raw. but but that's only because of the crowd that was there. There's so many Europeans there, and that that was only part of it. But again, you know, we go back to Sheamus getting Enzo in the face a month back or whatever it was. They, right. There's intentionally or not. There's something there. Okay, well, if that's, exactly if, that's the, if that's the case, then you do you think that Sheamus is going to be the face out of when him and Cesaro break up? Because right now he's definitely more over than Cesaro. It's crazy. It's nuts. I mean, I, I, when are they breaking up? Right now, I'm WWE. I, I let this ride as long yeah, it's as working. I can. It's working. That's a fair point. It's working. All right, let, let's um, let's wrap up this segment. we got to get to Justin Roberts. We will come back in, and we I can't wait. I am so excited about this. Uh, We'll talk to the former WWE ring announcer, Justin Roberts, next. 
I'm Glenn, he's Aaron, and he's... The main event. AJ Francis, this is Jobbing Out. Our children's futures start at a very young age, and Catholic schools prepare them for that future. Academic excellence with the belief that all students will succeed. A balanced curriculum, integrating music and arts, foreign language and Catholic faith, while challenging students in the areas of science, math, and technology. Discover the Catholic school's difference. Please visit archbalt.org slash schools. That's A-R-C-H-B-A-L-T dot org slash schools for more information. Hey, KZ here, Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show with Sarita, the NFL chick. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Every Sunday, 10 to noon, we talk about mostly football. We, We talk about the college game. We talk about the NFL game. We will throw in sports, local sports, some Orioles, some Terps. If there's an important story around the country, we'll throw that in. But our heart, our soul, of course, is football. Baltimore sports. Baltimore sports. In general. Do a little bit D.C. we got to give them some love sometimes. Uh, I guess. Sundays. <laughs> Sundays, 10 to noon, Pressbox Fantasy Reality Football Show. The new edition of Pressbox is available now. On the cover, Steve Jones looks at the life and legacy of Maryland native Keon Carpenter, the late former NFL safety whose philanthropic mission continues thanks to other area athletes. Also in the issue, a 15th anniversary celebration of Maryland's national championship basketball team. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 locations in the area, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also read the entire edition and see the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Hey, it's Nick Ashew. It's Tim Murray. And we're back now with PressBox Online every Tuesday. Game time with Tim and Nick. So, similar name. Very similar name. A lot of the same content. Oh, we'll change that content up, you know. We'll stay with the times, obviously. But we're still going to yell at each other. Oh, I'll push your buttons whenever we want. You always do. We're like an old married couple. Every Tuesday, subscribe to us on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud, PressBox Online, Game Time with Tim and Nick. Find Game Time under the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com or on iTunes and SoundCloud cloud Welcome back in. It is segment number three of Jobbing Out. Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, and of course... The main event. Yeah, A.J. Francis, the Washington Redskins. Our next guest, he has no idea what he's walking into. Because I'm sure other people have kissed his ass in interviews, but this is totally legitimate. As everyone knows, I am obsessed with Justin Roberts. And he has a new book out. It's called Best Seat in the House. Your backstage pass through my WWE journey. He is Justin Roberts, and he joins us now here on Jobbing Out. Justin, what's going on, man? Everything is great. Okay, so this is not this is not even a bit. All right, and these guys can back it up. <laughs> oh, it's it's so he's been he's been begging for this interview for about eighteen months now. Yeah. Um, every time we would go to a show, and everybody would say, "What was your favorite part?" I would always have the exact same answer <laughs> because you, sir, are a goddamn artist. And when you would walk out to do the sign segment. And you would, and I know this is going to sound like you're going to hear it and you're not going to understand what I'm saying. The fact that you didn't, like, mock any, that you just read the signs verbatim was magical. 
it was effing magic because I don't know how anyone could, I don't know how you could do it when somebody would read like Celtic Warrior, Celtic Warrior, and like I would just like, in my head I'd just be like, well that guy's an asshole, and yet you, you had this unbelievable ability to just go out there and read the signs and do your job, which is I would be completely incapable incapable of. So I was obsessed with that part of the show every night. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you enjoy that. That was always, uh, that one kept me on my toes because you don't see the sign in advance. You can't prep for it. So you look up at the screen and whatever pops up, you have to roll with. And sometimes they would shoot signs where it was like, uh, do they realize what they're shooting right now? (laughs) They would want in there. And so sometimes I would just kind of like blow through it and say it and then maybe cover up for whatever I just said. um, You know, I tried to, Try to put over the baby faces and, and you know, just uh, call it down the middle, but put over the baby faces a little bit. The 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 most awkward sign you ever saw at a WWE event was what? Uh, I I don't remember to be honest. Uh, I apologize. I know that was your favorite segment. I, I you, don't, <laughs> dude, you, Justin, this is not a joke. I, I could talk to you about signs for thirty minutes. <laughs> Like, we could just do a specific podcast, you and I, talking about signs, because it was that amazing. Something it, that's really funny that, that people don't realize. I'm a guy, and I was kind of working in sports-ish, and I don't really watch sports. So there were times <laughs> where, like, sports references would come up on the signs, and I knew wrestling. I, I knew wrestling. Right. But when sports references came up, like, I didn't get it. So the camera guys and the guys in the truck were big sports guys. So a lot of times they would put up a, a sports reference, and I would read it, but I never got it. <laughs> I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure I looked back a couple different times, and I, I didn't get the reference in that town. Cena loves Jeter. <laughs> Justin, did you ever have a sign pop up where you would say, yeah, I'm not going to read that just for my own well-being? There were some signs that popped up, I remember that, where, uh, you know, it would be like, kiss me, Cena, or something, you know, that, like, a lady was holding up, and I had to, you know, read it out, and so I would just find a way to, um, I'd find a way to acknowledge the sign, but, you know, put it maybe in her words, well, this young lady's looking for a date with John Cena. <laughs> no. No, was there any ever a time that you just like burst out laughing in the middle of it? They they flashed to a sign that you just could not believe was there. Yeah, they were. They're definitely. Uh, I, I wish I could remember examples, but I don't. Uh, but there were times when I would laugh and try to hold it in, or um, totally unrelated to the signs. But we didn't do that at house shows. shows. We uh, we did some other things at house shows. Like one time, Eve Torres was in the crowd. She was like the host for the evening, and she was uh, up in the stands and was going to upgrade somebody to ringside seats if they answered a trivia question directly. And the individual who got the question right was so excited to get upgraded to ringside from towards the back of the arena that he started jumping up and down in excitement and uh, fell over and, like, fell over on Eve and Eve fell over. (laughs) So I'm in the middle of the ring Everybody's watching this excitement, watching him fall over on Eve, watching Eve fall over, 
and I could not control my laughter. Uh, I'm like, and I'm trying to be professional, and uh, I, I just wasn't. I was laughing so hard. In fact, the referee came to the ring and told me that Taker wanted to see me after the show. <laughs> Man, the Undertaker is going to chew me out. You know, this, this sucks. And I couldn't help it. And sure enough, after the show, you know, I'm, I'm holding it in, holding it in. Go back to talk to Taker at the end of the show. And I went up and apologized. And, you know, sorry. It's just, you know, it was funny. And I, I tried to stop laughing, but I couldn't control myself. And, uh, he's just looking at me, not saying anything. Finally, when I was done apologizing, he looked at me and said, I never said to see me. Uh, I, I never upset. Somebody's talking to you. Just a big rib on me. <clears throat> That's wild, man. So we're talking to Justin Roberts. Obviously, the book is Best Seat in the House. Your backstage pass through my WWE journey. Justin, you know, the book obviously has been a long time coming for you. Can you take me through, you know, the process for you in deciding to write the book and deciding, more importantly, what it is that you were going to include in the book and, and if there's anything that you said, dude, I, I'm not ready to go there yet. Um, I was at the gym. <clears throat> That's where I do all my thinking. I mail in the workouts. And uh, a couple of funny stories, memories popped into my head, and I just made a note in my phone, like, hey, if I ever write a book someday... I need to make sure I talk about this. And I did that over time. And eventually I was on a long flight and I wanted to stay awake because uh, I usually slept on planes. So I wanted to stay awake from Phoenix to Boston and I just took up my computer and started typing. I, I didn't look at those notes. just started telling the story from where I wanted to start. And uh, over time I would just take out the computer and work on the story. And it got to a point where I had a lot in there. But uh, a lot of it I knew I couldn't put out because I would lose my job. <laughs> so uh, I showed it to Chris Jericho on a flight once and said, what can I do because I can't say this? And he was trying to help me like go different directions so I, I would be able to you know, put it out there but without saying what I was saying. Um, when they didn't renew my contract, then uh, right away I took out the computer and just you know, took away the things that I had changed and maybe sweetened up and <laughs> just uh, went through and, and made it very honest. And over the course of, like, three years, I just kept going through it over and over and over uh, until it was finally what I was happy with. I wanted to be honest. Um, I didn't want to bash anybody. I just wanted to tell an honest story. Uh, I think the story of being a huge wrestling fan, chasing the impossible dream, and telling other people what it's like, telling fans, telling wrestlers who may not have worked there, uh, telling the wrestlers who who are reading it now who do work there and want to know uh, how things were on, on my end. Um, it, it's just a cool story about a wrestling fan and, and compared to a love story. It's my love story with professional wrestling. Justin, did you... I always wonder, how did you get that gig because uh, obviously now you know if you want to become a wrestler you go to the performance center and you do a tryout they sign you and you know you work your way up you go through NXT you go to Raw you go to Smackdown how does one go about getting a job as a guest uh, or as a ring announcer as the timekeeper as a backstage interviewer how does somebody go about getting that job so in, in my era we had Howard Finkel Mike McGurk uh, Lily Garcia, Manny Garcia, Bill Dunn, uh, Tony Chimmel. There, there was never, hey, we're looking for ring announcers. 
know, for wrestlers, there, there are always a lot of wrestlers, there are always a lot of referees. You could count on, like, two hands how many wrestlers were there, and they usually weren't there for a very long time. Um, I, I guess some were, some weren't, but uh, there was never a spot. It was just, that was the position that I really wanted. So I was going for a position that they didn't have any openings. So I didn't know the right way to do it. It was a lot of trial and error. It was just taking chances and doing what I thought I should do to try to get in. So um, I, I go through in the book and talk about how I sent videotapes out to this person, to that person. I mean, I, I was sending videotapes and resumes to WWF and WCW for years during college. Um, I was working all the independent shows I could. I was working anything I could announce. Girls softball at U of A, uh, the tough man boxing from FX. I just announced anything I could. And uh, eventually, I WWE knew who I was from constantly sending tapes. And eventually, I landed a tryout. A tryout at Raw and a tryout at SmackDown. Uh, my first dark match was announcing John Cena in, in his dark match. Um, that was the first night, John Cena and Shelton Benjamin, and the next night was Rey Mysterio making his WWE debut against Funaki. So um, I had those two dark match tryouts, and then from there, um, slowly came around a little bit here and a little bit there. And uh, in 2004, it turned into a full-time deal. That's awesome. But was there anybody that, you know, as you were coming up, as you were growing up, you really tried to emulate, you tried to uh, make part of your ring announcing? Um, not on purpose, but I always had Howard in my head, you know, because mm. Howard Finkel was the voice that, that was that, that the, the distinct voice that you heard on, uh, on WWE TV. So I had that in the back of my head, and, um, you know, I would take the following contest is scheduled for one fall and just do what I thought you were supposed to do as a ring announcer because that's what Howard did. Justin Roberts, we're speaking to him here on Jobbing Out. Justin, I think one part of the book that a lot of people have um, drawn attention to is is you wrote about what happened with the uh, the Daniel Bryan incident and um, sort of explained that, that, you know, in your mind, nothing had gone wrong, right? That, like, after after that had happened, the, the, the reaction from everyone was that everything was all good. Yeah, that, uh, that segment made for great TV. Everybody was happy. When I came in the back, uh, we all shook hands, and Nexus and I, um, Vince stood up and shook my hand. Uh, Vince was really happy. Everybody was really happy. And then as days went on that week, uh, whatever happened corporate in uh, the corporate world, um, that's when it blew up, and uh, they let Daniel go. And so, you know, when, when, when that goes down, what's the feeling like for a guy like yourself? You know what I mean? When, when we're talking about one of the most beloved now pro wrestlers of all time, but, you know, you did everything you were supposed to do. You thought, every, like, what, what is it like to be in those shoes in that moment when something like that happens? That sucks. Um, everything about it sucks. Um, I called him the next day and I said, what happened? Because I thought it was an angle. You know, I thought it was a storyline. And I called him and said, what happened? And he explained, and um, he said that Vince called him personally and told him that he had to let him go. And uh, it, uh, it was just unfortunate because he didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. He did what he was told to do. I mean, nobody specifically said, go out there and strangle him. It was just, 
he saw Daniel Bryan is very smart and very great at what he does, and he saw an opportunity. And uh, you know, I was laying there with my suit off, and I had a tie that was knotted up, and that didn't come off. So he took the tie and got behind me and choked me. And it wasn't trying to kill me by any means, just making uh, making the most of the angle. And needed to make an impact, and that's what he did. And um, and then afterwards, to get released for breaking a rule that wasn't a rule. I mean, there's. Nobody ever telling him, hey, go out there and do this, but don't choke him. Right. You know, nobody, nobody said anything. So it sucked for him. I mean, in the long run, it worked out really well because uh, he got to go in the Indies. He did really well in the Indies. And then he came back shortly after in the main event at SummerSlam. Um, at the same time, I was getting Daniel Bryan chance when I was standing in the middle of the ring because people were upset at me. The internet rumor was that I got him fired. Uh, and I would ask people at ringside, like, okay, explain how I got him fired. And people would say, well, you told on him. You told Vince McMahon that he choked you. And I would think to myself, I didn't tell Vince didn't, McMahon. Didn't that happen on live television? Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't say anything. I go, I thought it was great. But, I mean, you can't argue against the internet. So, um, <laughs> trust me, I've learned so, all of this uh, too many times. <laughs> after a while, um, after a while, you know, it, it was okay, and I think people realized like it wasn't me, and, and I, I always <laughs> liked that. I, I always did. I always, you know, still do. Uh, there's nothing on me. It was the company that let him go. Uh, this weekend. We were all at WrestleMania weekend. It was a fantastic time. Um, one of the shows we went to, obviously, was NXT TakeOver Orlando. And uh, the ring announcer made a mistake during the tag team match. I uh, forgot to say it was the tag team titles and said it was the NXT championship and then corrected themselves. My question to you is, have you ever... What was the funniest or like most outlandish mistake you made while introducing someone? I called Santino Morella Santina. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, trying to do that at, I think it was WrestleMania 25 with a straight face. Right. Was so hard. Right. Because Santino was one of the funniest guys around. Um, I, I always say, like, the two mistakes that stand out in my mind. Um, I was doing an international tour, and there was an Intercontinental Championship match. Title changed hands. I think it was between Shelton Benjamin and uh, Carlito. And somebody else had won it, and I introduced the one guy as the challenger or the champion, vice versa, whichever was wrong. So that was a mistake. Uh, your stomach kind of drops when you do that. And then when Edge came back from the, uh, the Royal Rumble and won it and won the title, and I called him the winner. And uh, was it the Royal Rumble? Whenever he won the championship, I called it, I think it was the World Championship, and I called it the WWE Championship. Hmm. Mm, it's an easy uh, mistake to make. Yeah, those, there's only uh, 50 titles in this company. Right. <laughs> no excuse. Um, we, we talk about WrestleMania, and, and you said WrestleMania 25. What's it like to stand out there in the middle of the ring, in the middle of all those people, and know that you know you are the MC, you are in control of WrestleMania? It's really neat, um, and I say this throughout the book. Um, when I first came in, I was like, a, you know, there's backyard wrestlers who are self-taught. I was basically a backyard announcer. Um, I just came in and, and 
pretended to be a ring announcer. And I still say that. Like, I was a fan posing as a ring announcer. Over time, I learned the art to it. And uh, I would watch the shows every week. I would come home and uh, watch the show from the night before and just pick out what I liked and what I didn't like. And uh, over time, I just kind of picked up the art of ring announcing. And people don't realize it. You know, you go out there and you say names. But there's actually an art to it. There's a psychology into... um, controlling, like when you're at WrestleMania, 70,000, 80,000 people with the tone of your voice. Uh, you could get them to get really quiet. You could get them to be really loud. You could get them to cheer. You could get them to boo. You can make them happy. You can make them angry. Um, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really neat to be able to control 80,000 people with the sound of your voice. Um, there's nothing like it. Uh, I've never been into drugs. Uh, but to me, like that was a drug, just getting in there and ring announcing. It was it was fun getting those reactions um, and uh, just the big introductions, the little introductions. It's cool. It's it's really cool. He is like conducting an orchestra. He is Justin Roberts, and Justin, I know we're gonna have to let you go here in a minute. Before we do, I I'll admit because I'm a junkie for this type of stuff that the moment I got my copy of the book, and it's it's a lengthy read. I have not gotten through all of it. But I immediately darted to try to find what you had written about Connor. Um, because I know that that was a really unique relationship for you. And I had read some of the stuff that you had posted in the past about everything and, and how things had gone down. Can, can you tell me about sort of how difficult that is for you to broach everything that occurred there? And, and, and sort of where you're at emotionally at this point um, with, with now being removed from the WWE and, and how things went down there. Yeah, I mean, like, with promoting my book, I've never promoted that as as part of it. It's it's in there because it's a big part of my life. It's a big part of my WWE story. I mean, it uh, it was really it meant a lot, and um, I never said anything while I was at the company. You know, I and I, I didn't say anything about any other parts of the story, you know, I just let it be what it was, but then eventually um, I said something because of what was going down and what had happened with the award and all that, and um, I I knew that there could be a a big backlash, and um, I wrote the blog explaining my take on, you know, just everything surrounding that, and, um, you know, it's, it's in the book because it's it's part of the story, and it was at a time where, um, like, I, I didn't really feel like I had a purpose at the company anymore, but yeah. then being in that spot and being able to, to do stuff to help people, it was like, okay, this is what I'm here for now. This is, this is cool. Like, it's, it's cool to help people. It's easy to help people. Um, so, I, you know, I, I share that story and uh, just similar stories. Um, just on other things that came with the job that that weren't part of the job, but um, made it part of the job just because I had that access to everybody. And um, yeah, the uh, the story is sad um, uh, for the main reason that he lost his fight. Right. That's that's the worst part. So um, he had a few months where even though he was going through everything he went through um 
he got to do some really cool things, you know, things that people wouldn't get to do in a lifetime, and he was on top of the world. So uh, that that was the, uh, you know, that was the, the good part of that. Uh, I, I hate ending this on a downer, so I'm going to go back to the part where I say, God damn it, I need... Yeah, how, how can I get, where can I go? What, what would it cost for me to put do a, together an event where Justin Roberts just comes and reads signs for us? Like, how do we, how do we make that happen? I think I'm coming to the area, um, I'm going on tour with Tool. And, what? Uh, that'll be in May. Yeah, I, this will be my third tour with Tool. And uh, it's a lot of fun. They're really good guys. And um, I think I'm going to try to do some book signings while I'm in the... Uh, while I'm in the area. So Welp. There's a chance that I'll, I'll be out there, so if we could figure out a way Welp. to uh, sign books and read signs. Yes. Clint's Cl- already starting to make like 50 signs and just passed out at the event. That is awesome. Well, I, Justin, I hope you understand how big a deal this is that Glenn actually started reading your book. Because there's a lot of people that we have on the show that Glenn never oh, even no. attempts no. to consider reading their book. I just... I just <laughs> I hand them off to Aaron. I say, Aaron, go read this. I'm not going to get to it. But this one, completely different. Completely different. He hoarded this yeah. one. <laughs> All right. It's, it's, at- uh, it's been really cool because the feedback has been, hey, I don't normally read books. I got this. Uh, I even got a message yesterday from that a That sounds like a lot of wrestling fans. told me that his friend got the book, uh, wasn't really interested, but just did it because I was a nice guy. And then he... Uh, he read it and loved it and is now recommending it to, uh, to other people. It's basically, if you're a wrestling fan, you're going to be able to relate to this. You're going to see things from a different perspective. It's about a fan who, who made it, who was a huge fan and did. I mean, the crazy things I did as a fan, going to the hotel where they were staying and having them cut promos for my high school morning announcements. Um, I mean, just crazy stuff. Holy and then, shit taking it a step further and getting into the business as an announcer and then actually going to WWE. So cool, man. That happened there. It's so cool. All right, again, the book is Best Seat in the House, your backstage pass through my WWE journey, at Justin Roberts on Twitter. Anything else we can plug for you, man? Yeah, if you, uh, if you go to justinrobertsbook.com, it makes it real easy because there's the audio book, the hardcover book, the e-book. So if you just go there, you can see what the book's about. You can see the trailer. Uh, you could order whatever version you're looking for it just makes it really easy to go to justinrobertsbook.com that's awesome justin thank you so much for doing this dude uh we will absolutely be in touch when you get back into this area and there is no doubt that i will be there i, I will be the nerd first in line waiting for my opportunity to chat with you then man thanks for taking the time for us I- I appreciate it, and the signing schedule will be on that site as well. Okay. Well, that was awesome, and you know what? That was so awesome that Glenn, I, I, he had to leave the room. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. The look he on his could, face the entire but, time, he couldn't he handle just, it. And, we, and we're all over on video Skype right now, so it was kind of awkward watching him jack it um, while he was talking to Justin Roberts. Um, but it made for inter- an interesting interview nonetheless. It was, I, I, I'm surprised that Glenn was able to contain himself and, and not, you know, squeal the entire time basically <laughs> yo so do you think uh we just heard about this simon gotch news about him being released today Wh- like what do you think is like the real reason behind it you know there, there, there have been rumors throughout his time in wwe that he had not been very well liked backstage there is a confirmed report that he got into a fight with sin Cara at one point on a european tour 
Um, there are rumors. You know, you never know how true the Why rumors. Why is Sakara fighting everyone? I, yeah, I know. Sakara's fighting everyone. That's great. Jericho, gotch. I guess Sakara is like the new Undertaker. He's the guy that you have to go through in the back to gain respect or something like that. But um, you know, there had been rumors. How true the rumors are, we don't know about. Like he just he kind of had an ego backstage. And he, he just rubbed people the wrong way. So who knows? There's also, it, it feels like every year around this time, there's one guy who's kind of underutilized who's just like, hey, I need to take a break. You know, I need to go. Uh, two years ago, with CJ Parker. I feel Bull Dempsey was it last year, kind of the guy yeah. who's just like, I, I kind of need to go away here. And and we've seen it work. Look at Drew McIntyre. We're, we're seeing this kind of pattern. Drew McIntyre goes away. He kills it. He comes back. He's this huge thing now. Um, he was fantastic on NXT. I can't Cassius, wait to see Ono is kind of the same way. He went away, became, you know, he was Chris Hero before, but now he's Chris fucking Hero. He comes back. He's a huge deal. Uh, so maybe that that's kind of part of the thought process. Supposedly, you it was think, mutual. Oh, speaking of, speaking of that, uh, just real quick. Uh, you know, we were talking about, you were saying that you think Chris Hero is, I mean, Cassius Ono is where they're going with... Uh, with Bobby Roode, I can confirm to you that uh, that is not the case after watching the NXT tapings. But I don't want to tell you who it is because I was legitimately shocked when uh, when their music hit to challenge Bobby Roode. Um, and I think you guys are going to love it. And, uh, and In my mind, I, and I didn't see any spoilers for this, it's one of two people. Either it's Roderick Strong because he looked like a star at TakeOver or it's the return of Hideo Itami, and I can't wait to find out which. <laughs> Roderick Strong is gold. Uh, he had so many. He had a. He was in a tag team match with the the Authors of Pain. Um, it was wait, Roderick with the Authors of Pain. No, oh, oh, again against okay. the Authors of Pain, and he was with Cashizono. Okay, and, and it was a great match. Um, and uh, it was just the, the NXT tapings were fantastic. I can't sell it anymore. Like you guys, this is going to be a great. Cut three weeks of NXT, so just be ready. I, I can't wait for it. But uh, go, going back to Gotch real quick, the only thing that I hope from this is that we get the return of Aiden English, Broadway star, who comes down with a spotlight, and he literally he sings all the way down to the ring. It was such a wonderful gimmick. Not that the Vaude villains weren't a wonderful gimmick, but uh, I really thought that there was a lot of potential in the just so over-the-top annoying Broadway wannabe who comes down to the ring seeing how he's the best in the WWE. <laughs> surprisingly, what? surprisingly, your voice is not as good as his. No, because I, after I your not. performance at Rock Band this weekend, I was expecting a little better there. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not in the right. Uh, I, don't, I don't have the right acoustics in this room <laughs> to do a proper Broadway show. Oh my god. Yeah. But uh, that, that, I think that's going to wrap it up here for jobbing out. Uh, again, thank you so much to Justin Roberts. Go out and get his book. It's getting rave reviews all over the place. Everyone loves it. Uh, and for, you know, a unique path, as we found out, a really unique path is a fan just like us living his dream of broadcast or calling uh, the right in front of WrestleMania. Go out, get his book. And uh, thanks a lot to him. And hopefully uh, Glenn will be able to get the sign mania thing going the next time he comes around this area. Glenn Clark is a douche. I can't wait for that sign. Oh, I mean, that, that'll definitely be one if it's going to get out there. So, uh, again, thanks, everyone, for listening. If you missed it, go check out our uh, shows from over the weekend, both the pre-WrestleMania with Steve Miggs as well as Steve Miggs on our post-WrestleMania show. That one, we were all in kind of a delirious state, and uh, Glenn was not happy. So it ended up being and, one of the more funnier shows. And- 
it was a hilarious show. And at the end of that, you get to hear our inter- my interview, me and Steve Miggs' interview with Samoa Joe, with Nikki Bella, and with DIY. It was it was great interview. So it was a great show. Um, and I you can see it all on the job. You can see all of this on the job and I'll show Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at AJ Francis 410 or on Instagram at Francis underscore sports. Um, you can follow Glenn Clark at Glenn Clark radio on Twitter. Um, you can also follow him home and beat the shit out of him if you want. Uh, and, uh, Aaron, your Twitter is. I'm the A Oster. Our Twitter page for the show is at Jobbing Out Show. Our email is jobbingoutshow at gmail.com. By the way, if you missed it from me last week, I had uh, both an interview with Ring of Honor champion Christopher Daniels. And by the way, uh, Ring of Honor will be in town in Baltimore Saturday afternoon at 2. The card looks great. Frankie Kazarian versus Marty Skrull for the TV title is headlining it, as well as a six-man tag uh, for the titles. You got uh, the Briscoes and Bully Ray, the current Ring of Honor six-man tag champions, uh, against the, uh, the Rebellion. So go check that out. That'll be, of course, uh, over at the William J. Myers Pavilion. So check that out. And uh, I also did an article on Wrestling Society X last week for Rolling Stone that uh, got some good pub. So go go check that out on Rolling Stone. I'll have some more stuff out in uh, upcoming weeks. So for Glenn and for the main event, Vint, Vint, Vint. I'm Aaron Oster. This has been Jobbing Out. Jobbing out.